This is Defenders TV Podcast episode 93, where we are looking at Iron Fist Season 1, Episode 4, 8 Diagram, Dragon Palm. Welcome back, Defenders, to this, our 93rd episode of Defenders TV Podcast, where we are looking at 8 Diagram Dragon Palm, which is the fourth episode in this first season of Iron Fist. I am one of your excitable hosts, John. And I'm another one of your hosts, Derek. And rounding out the group, I'm Chris. Less excitable. yes so this was we saw iron fist in peril and i kind of quite liked that opening image where he's got his hands clasped onto um, the floodlight and and they seem to be like a a glowing golden uh, as though he's channeling his chi but it's not it's just the floodlights just the floodlights Um, and then of course Bit of a weakling, actually. He uh, he fell off. Not that I would be able to hold on uh, for much longer, I have to say, um, if at all. In fact, I would have just plummeted the, what, 43-story building into a nice bloody mush, <laughs> like a slush puppy or something at the bottom. Yeah. I hope you caught the old puppy reference there. Um, but, yeah, we are here reviewing this fourth episode of Iron Fist. Some of our listeners would already know, but any of... Any new listeners joining, uh, we will go through our spoilerific five points of this episode uh, and then a few notes and then we will come to see whether we defend this episode of, of Iron Fist. And uh, yes, we will be posting new episodes every Friday and Tuesday each week. And so after this, our next episode will be posted there on the 28th of March. As always, if you want to listen, please subscribe or and leave a review uh, over on iTunes at DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes, or you can go to any good or evil podcast catcher and search Defenders TV Podcast there. And of course, then subscribe on those pesky Android podcast catchers. And, of course, we are always looking for audience interaction. So if you would like to leave us any feedback, feel free to pop over to DefendersTVPodcast.com and leave us a short voicemail. Uh, We have a competition ongoing at the moment where you can win a marvellous Marvel-filled prize. Um, But we'll get into that a bit more later. Or you can also pop over to us on Facebook, uh, in particular our Facebook group, uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV podcast, where you can uh, join in the conversations on every episode with us. Uh, We have a lovely group there where we discuss everything Iron Fist, Daredevil, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, all leading to Defenders. And loads more too, yeah. Yeah. And don't forget, you can also find us over on Twitter at DefendersCast, where we typically sometimes tweet a lot, live tweets on some of the shows, but also, more importantly, we just, any other news or tidbits that we find will let you know as it comes. And as we release our shows, we will release them there so you can be the first to know each and every Friday and Tuesday when we're releasing the next episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's about time to get into the episode. 
Hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I really like this one. Mm-hmm. It's a really good one. And there's a reason for that, I think. It comes from the pen of Scott Reynolds, who was one of the main producers of Jessica Jones, who was involved in all of the episodes uh, throughout the series. Quite heavily involved in four episodes where he was co-writer on two and the main writer on AKA WWJD and AKA I've Got the Blues. I remember WWJD causing a bit of a problem in understanding for a while until we realized, oh yeah, what would Jessica do? That makes sense. Uh, yeah, loads of, loads of great time on those uh, on those particular episodes and uh, great to have Scott Reynolds, another returning member of the Defenders crew coming on over to, uh, to Iron Fist. I'm still sticking with it's what would uh, Jack Daniels do, especially <laughs> since uh, Jessica loves the old JD. Um, but anyway. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. What would Jessica do drinking Jack Daniels? Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or no, what would Jessica do? Or what would Jessica do drinking that Jack Daniels, which would be WWJD, DJD. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, they just have exactly. to shorten it out for TV. That yeah, was. Exactly. Uh, and the episode was directed by Miguel Sabotnik. Um, he's directed four episodes of Game of Thrones, two episodes from the last two seasons of Game of Thrones. So, th- big think, director. Yeah, do you think that's why we saw our first little bloody enterprise, maybe, um, in, in this episode? I think that's entirely possible. Exactly. That, uh, that brutal scene with a sword is uh, could be could be entirely at the feet of Mr. Sabotnik. Yeah, and of I, course, the alumni that is Finn Jones of Game of Thrones. So I wonder if he had been in one of uh, Miguel's episodes. Possibly, possibly. He was still involved in uh, the last two seasons of, of Game of Thrones as well, wasn't he? So, yeah. yeah. Before he jumped over and joined the Marvel cast. Yes, yes. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis of the episode? Sure. After being pushed from Harold's penthouse apartment, Danny Rand wakes up on the couch and finds himself in the presence of Ward and his dead father, Harold Meacham. Whilst in shock, Danny and his father's former business partner and friend connect with Harold, embracing Danny like a long-lost son. He welcomes Danny home, asking, are we good? And the Meachams set about reintroducing Danny Rand back into New York society and Rand Enterprises. All the while, Colleen returns to the Street Fight Club as the Daughter of the Dragon, and she begins to dominate the arena, earning more winnings. As Danny starts to make waves in the boardroom at Rand Enterprise, Joy is tasked to catch up with Danny, but as they discuss the past, the triads kidnap Joy because she closed the deal on the pier they controlled. Danny saves Joy, who is injured, and tracks the triads to the Golden Sands, where he warns them off by mere mention of the Hand. However, Harold's dealings with the Hand continue and appear to have come to fruition, Madame Gow takes Harold to an unknown location where her faithful servant receives his reward. On seeing his daughter for the first time in years, he notices her injury and asks for one last favour as the Hand make a violent visit to the Golden Sands base. As Danny settles into his new life, a ring at his apartment door gives new direction to his purpose as the Iron Fist. Yeah, great episode this I really liked it for a whole host of reasons that I'm sure we will get into now. Um, But I think with that, our first point, Harold and the Hand's plan. He hasn't aged a day and he's been resurrected. We get confirmation (laughs) of this theory and wow. um, Yes, we got one right. We got one right. Hey, we I, did. Think this, I think this is one for the books. <laughs> I think so. This is literally one for the books. <laughs> I, th- I think so. I think we should all join in downing. Uh, speaking of J- Jack Daniels, maybe an entire bottle of Jack Daniels. After the podcast. After <laughs> the podcast. Yeah, During the podcast. 
<laughs> we will yep. join Jessica in her drunken slumber. Absolutely. Yes, for new listeners, we do not watch ahead on the episodes, and we are delighted that one of our crazy, crazy theories actually turns out to be a crazy fact in the show, where it turns out that Harold Meacham has been dead and has not aged in over 12 years um, since Danny last saw him. That's really interesting. Uh, a nice little touch here. So not only when we see someone come back to life, are they brought back from the dead? They also don't age again for the next uh, 15 years so or 12 years. Um, that's really, yeah, that's a really, uh, really strange idea. So will we see that with Electra as well? Maybe, yeah. I think first off, it's just the fact that these two people that have been reported as dead come face to face um and you you have that great moment um where danny still thinks he's hallucinating presumably <laughs> from the bump on the head after falling off off the floodlight but um you know uh you know where he kind of turns toward and and says you see him two moments you mm-hmm. know um so that coming together of these two um you know in effect, resurrected people in the eyes of, of the the news and, and the general population, like, I think is really interesting. And I mean, you kind of wonder, how is it going to go? And I think they kind of handled it pretty well. I like the way Harold is painting out to be a, you know, a prisoner of the hand, uh, that he is having to do stuff. He talks about how, you know, the hand has infiltrated Rand Enterprises. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he I, I love his little nod to, uh, maybe he's not necessarily referencing the, the Marvel Illuminati, but he does talk, <laughs> you know, unlike the Illuminati, um, the hand is real. Well, Harold, so is the Illuminati. Um, they're just better at hiding it than exactly. the hand. But it's just kind of... I, I really like this because I I am wondering whether there is a bit of a red herring here. Um, I think uh, it's really interesting when, um, when, when Madame Gao effectively, you know, chucks the hood over him. You kind of think, uh-oh, he's in trouble probably for meeting with Danny Rand, given that they've got this penthouse under uh, surveillance. And you kind of think, okay, is is he going to get, you know, beaten up or chastised in some bloody way? Yeah. Um, and instead, you know, you really get this the, the, this lovely moment, I think, with, with uh, Madame Gao, where she says, you have been a, a faithful servant of the hand, receive your reward. Now, it opens up where he is looking with his own eyes uh, at his daughter for the first time in however many years mm-hmm. but i just wonder was we're kind of expected to think that maybe madame gao here is referencing the acquisition of the pier by rand enterprises for them mm. but i just wonder whether the acquisition is actually iron fist the iron fist um is this the uh, the notion of keep your enemies closer that you know uh, you've got him by extension through Harold Meacham under their control to some extent where they can influence uh, what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there is the idea that Harold may not be as innocent as he's making out uh, yes. here. And uh, certainly maybe over an even longer period, and this is very spoilerific um, potentially, so 
it's a theory. It's a working theory. So we'll see if this uh, comes true. You know, I, I suppose the realization of our first theory has emboldened me to, to <laughs> postulate more stuff. But I think in, in the comics, it's it's Harold who has been instrumental and in, in the death of his his parents. So it could be that that's a similar thing being taken through here. Maybe. So I just wonder how truthful Harold is being mm. about his real situation when yeah. she says a faithful servant. Yeah. Is it over a longer period than just this peer acquisition? And are they acquiring the Iron Fist into Harold Meacham's sphere of influence, right. ultimately? Right. So what we're led to believe in the show is that, uh, as Danny said, he is the one true enemy of the Hand. He's the one that is destined to take them out. Um, Harold is the one that hears that. The Hand aren't aware of who he met and what and, and who it was that was on the other side of it. And Harold has now got Har- Danny Rand in his back pocket to take down the Hand so that he can escape uh, the circumstances that he's currently in. That's you, the narrative, yeah. But you, you think you're thinking that it's possible that they've, they are involved in this. The hand are involved in this, and they want Danny within their reach because well, he is destined to take them out. Yeah, because he's their sworn enemy. Mm. So it is at this idea of keeping your enemies closer, and certainly because they knew for the first time in however many years that he had left the apartment. Now mm. they didn't know where he had gone, but. You've had Danny Rand now in the apartment. True. So are they must be aware of that. And that's why with the black bag over his head, all of a sudden it was, okay, this is because he has actually been colluding with Danny Rand here. But then he is rewarded. And there is this talk of you know, the, the faithful service that he mm. has done. Yep. So is it to do with the peer or is it to do with manipulating Danny Rand? Interesting. Chris? You know, yeah, no, and I, I'm I'm complete in agreement with kind of John on this. In terms of his theory, yeah. I think as soon as Danny ended up in the apartment, I was questioning where's Madame Gay in the hand. They're going to jump in any second now because they they're obviously watching him closely. They have their own cameras or some variation of that. Mm-hmm. So the they have to have known that he met Danny. Right. Danny met kind of Harold, I should say. Yeah. I love the fact that we've they straight away have explained that yes, he was dead. Mm-hmm. Three days later, he was resurrected. Yeah, very, very Jesus-like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was by the hand, the hand's hand. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> it was through the hand's hand that he is now with us again. Um. So it leads. It does actually start then questioning. Okay, the hyper the hyperbaric chamber, the, the kale juice that he's drinking. Is this needed? Is it actually kale juice? Is it something, is it actually a hand cocktail uh-huh. or a hand smoothie, if you will? <laughs> um, it is kale plus extra magical evil elements. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, am, I am questioning what other, how manipulative is Harold? And that's kind of where I'm starting to lead. One of the things that John kind of brought up in terms of this theory is that Harold was instrumental to a degree in uh, the the Rand's death at the hand of... Oh my God, there's too many uses of the word hand. <laughs> um, Harold was instrumental in the, the death of the, the Rand's. 
in the comics yeah this leads me in the ed Brubaker series i think mm-hmm. now john you can correct me if i'm wrong there is also this now expanded origin where daniel's father was also part he had already gone to kung Lung, and mm-hmm. that's where they were actually heading yeah uh, when the plane crashed and there is this greater destiny part where Danny was always due to go there, etc. I am now wondering, will they use elements of that mm. in that we'll, we'll find out actually Harold was always part of the hand. He has been, it was before, even before his death, Right. he's been an agent of them. They, they put, they, coerced him because they knew that the Rand that the the Rand family one of them with the descendants would be an enemy of the hand the right. sworn enemy of the hand Interesting. so by getting him an early or originally trying to just kill them off stop the bloodline but now it's like okay well look you made a mistake you didn't do the job right you need to fix this and now he has fixed it by bringing Danny into the fold almost of the the web of secrecy mm-hmm that was Harold's gift, as John said. Interesting, yeah. I didn't yeah. get any of this. I, I I took it that the hand giving him the resurrection, but making him take his final breath and actually die. Um, I took that as him being very angry with the treatment that he'd gotten from them. And then them locking him into his apartment, not ever being able to talk to his daughter, not ever being able to see, them, see her. I took it really as he is... Uh, aggressively against what the hand are doing but has no power against them even though he was a very powerful man when they met him first so this having Danny in his back pocket against them is his power it could um, still be starting that. to rise back up yeah. uh, absolutely it's I'm it's just kind of giving another angle maybe that maybe. you know that might be the case as well but yeah it could just simply be he he wants to control the hand but I I, I think that the the one thing for me um is just that the hand surely would be aware now that Danny Rand is obviously back in in the mm. country, but that he has been at the penthouse. Given that in the instant he left, they were on him like a ton of bricks. Yeah. I think there's an, another great little pointer in in the kind of warning that Ward gives to to Danny when they get in the lift to go down mm-hmm. where he is kind of saying be careful Harold only looks out for himself yep. um you know he's not a replacement father mm-hmm. figure now that could also be very a personal kind of um warning to him that look he's my father not yours kind Absolutely. of thing but yeah. at the same time maybe there's a layered meaning there in that and um, I have to say now I absolutely loved Ward's just response whilst uh, Harold and Danny are kind of catching up about, the, you know, the monastery, the warrior monks and all that. And he's just rolling his eyes. He's looking <laughs> at them like going, you two are talking absolute crazy. Tom Pelfrey is fantastic. Yeah. He is the reaction man in this episode. Every time you see him in the background of a scene, he's just got this great expression reacting to what's going on between Harold and Danny. It's really, really fun. Um, just where he's like, oh, he's believing Danny's story. Oh, Danny's believing his story as well. What is wrong with these two idiots? Like it can, It's all written all over his face That's saying a word. What really does he good. call him? Monastery boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like... Really liked uh, just his whole response and reaction here. And again, potentially, he's going against his, his father again here with the news article yes. uh, as well. Um, yeah. Now, whether it transpires 
that she wrote the article he wanted her to do uh, probably not or whether he's looking for the long game but I love the the kind of the the idea that he's saying you know it's like Tarzan walking around the place fresh from the jungle like right. he, he's just you know it, it's just his reaction to Danny being established now is just like I roll oh my goodness, he knows nothing. There is also, as we talked about before, Ward is the leader of this company and is seen by the world as being the leader of this company, yet his father has been calling the shots for 15 years. And then Danny walks back into town and he goes, okay, reinstate him with his role, give him 51% shares in the business. He wants, he needs the billion dollars that he's entitled to. And you can see Ward's just sitting there going, hang on a second, I worked and got all that stuff. And I'm your son. And I'm trying to defend you from this guy taking all this. Why are you giving it to him? You know, um, there is that great moment with Ward. Absolutely. But I think that does lead us on to our second point about Danny suiting up, so to speak, um, <laughs> back at Rand Enterprises and uh, establishing his um, his thoughts on how certain elements of the company uh, might be ran, yeah. um, particularly influenced by uh, Jamie. Um, in, in this instance, I think. The wonderful Jaron Hogarth back again for another episode. That moment when they meet in the corridor and he throws his arms out and goes uh, to give her a hug. And she's like, nope, not doing that is a great Jerry Hogarth moment. Really, really love. She's still got the coldness, but she's also very happy that she's just won this. She's now an retainer and wants to immediately get those contracts signed so that she's uh, herself and her company are now involved in Rand Enterprises. Yeah, I, I like the way that, you know, she says to these people, you are a hostile takeover. Really interesting. Again, just making him think um, that it's not all balance and positive energy. Absolutely. This was one of my favorite kind of parts of the, the episode so far. I think Danny's monk training paying off. So, for example, during the press conference when that he's asked about the, the his short stint in the psychiatric ward. Mm. He goes he goes off book, but he straight away you can see there is his calm. He he starts getting quite emotional and then he calms it down quite easily mm-hmm. and he actually spins it. He spins it in a way that he d- without even thinking about it. And this is where you can see he is the son of a billionaire. Mm-hmm. He he is the rightful heir because without even planning on it he has put them both joy and ward in his pockets to a degree because he could have hung them out to dry yeah absolutely yeah. this was a brilliant part when he brings it into the the boardroom scene mm-hmm. where they're talking about this this uh, drug and the, the 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 illness and this is where the downside if you want to call it that i suppose the upside depending on how philanthropic you are the paying for cod or sorry selling the the drug at cost Yes. To use in order so not earning a dollar off the sick or the ill yeah. um, who cannot fend for themselves. I love the that, reaction of Danny where he's kind of going, how many people a year die of this? And we have the cure and you want to actually charge those people money for it. And the other guy on the board is saying to him, oh, don't worry about it, Danny. They'll just be paid for by the World Health, Health Organization and they'll then sell it on to uh, to the people over there at a lower rate. But again, Danny has that reaction as a Buddhist and as a very caring human being, and as our our superhero, obviously, on the show, that 
this is entirely wrong and he can't have his company running like this. Um, nice, nice moment, a nice little, uh, nice little ability there from Danny to uh, to to stop yeah. something bad and nefarious happening within this kind of corporate structure. That's really cool. Yeah, and it makes me wonder. It's a when War says, "So let me be, let me get this straight. Mm-hmm. You, Danny Rand, as majority stakeholder with fifty one percent shares, are drawing a line in the sand." On your uh, first day. uh, (laughs) On your first day. And that has got me thinking this is going to come back to bite him in the ass. Mm -hmm. That combined with the the journalist meeting Ward has, this is where it will it will come back because my this is what my theory now, again, kind of rolling into the episode of theories. Ward is setting it up that the shareholders, the other shareholders, the four, other 49% mm-hmm. will, and obviously you'd assume that there's an IPO on this company. Uh, it is f- publicly traded, so the stocks will go down if they show a vote of no confidence in the current main, he's not even a CEO, he's just a majority shareholder. Yeah. He has enough control. So this is where probably that Ward is trying to bring it so that they have a vote of no confidence, if you almost say, right. in Danny. Right. But we also did learn he is just a figurehead of Jerry. Yeah. He has no day-to-day job. That was which... hilarious. What am I supposed to do now after I've signed these documents? Uh, do you want the door open or closed? That's, kind of, <laughs> that's your only choice that you have. Now. Yeah, that great. was awesome. But to John's point as well, I really liked that Jerry is standing in front of him going, these people think of you as a hostile takeover, so take it slowly, learn the business, and then do something within 25 minutes. He's in the boardroom <laughs> telling them they can't sell something at the profit they thought they were getting at. And they were talking 10 times at the profit. They were talking each pill costs a fiver to make and could be sold for $50. So huge profits there yeah um and he's just told them within a couple of minutes of taking a seat in the business that they're not going to do that anymore we are changing strategy we're changing tack completely ignoring uh jerry hogarth which i think is really good absolutely i mean this is when we know it's a work of fiction is when you know uh, a large multinational uh, behaves in that way yeah. uh, you know Ooh, political i was also going like really come on danny look, look even <laughs> don't go for 10x look can we just even sell it for like a tenner that's kind of just doubling the profit. It gives us like even just the cost plus a small bit of margin, and we'll we'll I don't know. We'll put some money in towards monasteries to help you out. Like, like uh, you, yeah, that's how I, I'm totally on Danny's side here. This is this is awesome. I wish I wish companies actually oh, absolutely. Like this it's awesome, definitely. <laughs> uh, the thing I really kind of uh, I liked, and I wonder. This is I need to look back again, but uh, I like the idea that. They had found or gotten his father's desk out of storage, mm. and I like that. Like Jerry is stood at the front, and he immediately disappears and goes <laughs> under under the desk. Uh-huh. And I have a feeling that the stickers that we saw were the immortal weapons. Interesting. I I thought the stickers under the desk. Um, that there was one of them. That the they they re- they were the di- the individual immortal weapons like uh, Fat Cobra uh, and so on. Interesting, yeah. Oh. I definitely saw I, I saw it as as something like a cartoon show that he yeah. would have watched as a kid. Stickers from that. I didn't make any kind of connection between like the, that and, and the there was weapons. the beautiful tiger as well. Like there was that. I I just wondered. Now I'm not could be completely wrong though, but yeah. I, I I thought that they were and. Um, representative of the immortal weapons right 
of which uh, Iron Fist see, is one of them. Yeah, see, I took it as being... Do you remember the old, prior to Marvel superheroes, Marvel Comics back then in the day used to do the Fing Fang Foom, the, the, the big monster... Oh, yeah. Monsters Unleashed comics. Yeah. So I took them mm-hmm. as they look like the monsters from there, like especially like the big one, the Fantastic Four fight in one of the first episodes, in their very first issue. Yeah. It looked like those big types of monsters right. or the gigantuans or I can't remember what they called them back in the day. Yeah. The big event in Marvel at the moment that's ongoing at the monsters moment. Monsters Unleashed, yeah. yeah. Return of the Monsters, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I thought, I thought it was a lovely touch and it did, again, feel like childy, child Danny was crawling under the table, crawling under his daddy's desk, you know, immediately when the desk is back. That was quite cool. Nice little moment of, of memory for him as well. I do like his, his slip back to sort of being a, a young child mm. uh, as an adult where he he does that or you know he he hugs the pillow or he just has that kind of boyish smile yeah um and that 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 is kind of danny rand as well and mm. um, like i i felt he was more cheeky in this uh episode as well um which i again to me is it's just more of danny rand's character coming out yeah. i really like that um, well, you gotta so, remember in this in this episode he's achieved his goal in the first uh, for the for his arc in the show he's come back regained his position in rand enterprises regained his money and the respect of the people that he thought were family and he's now been accepted back into the family by harold so he's pretty much all set now and that's why the big question comes up of well, what do i do now what's the next thing I'm supposed to do here because I've done everything I was supposed to do. Yeah, so um, so yeah, so now he's kind of back to himself. He's he's attained everything he needs to. So it's good that we do have that moment, which we'll talk about later uh, at the end of the episode to set him up mm. on his next journey because there really wasn't anything else for him to do other than be, you know, to lead the board. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think with that, we can move on to... Um, our third point, which is, what is the first rule of Fight Club? <laughs> yes, you're not mentioned... supposed to talk about it. <laughs> yes, we mentioned this last week, Colleen. But we trip will to the Fight Club. Um, yeah, this time, I she's gotten addicted. She likes the the feel of the back of a hand across another person's face, mm-hmm. or or even vice versa. Like she's, um, you know, she she's. She's realised that she can make a bit of dough from this, mm-hmm. and uh, and maybe more to the point, she invites two into the arena to to kick ass. Three and, people uh, enter, one man leaves. Yeah. yeah, so she's really enjoying this. Um, I think, I, and again, is she seeing it more of honing her skills in the heat mm-hmm. of battle, um, so that she becomes um, a a better fighter? I wonder as well if in the back of her mind she's there going. So next time when I spar against Danny Rand, I will uh, kick some ass. Right. Um, and of <laughs> course, um, there's that moment where he pops her her, her broken or uh, her popped finger mm. back into its socket. I was going to mention that moment in the in the notes, but I might as well bring it in here. The the D- Danny healing factor. We did talk about Iron Fist having the ability to heal using his chi. Now there's no physical signs that he uses it here. But she doesn't seem to be complaining very quickly after he repops her finger back in. Colleen seems to just smile instantly and give him a little puppy dog eyes to to Danny. Um, but he's not using his chi. But I wonder if it's kind of saying that Danny does have that healing ability. 
in a way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, being able to heal other people's wounds, not like a not like a Wolverine healing factor, just being able to heal other people's wounds by using his abilities. But again, it's not particularly shown on screen, which we thought it would be. But kind of cool that he does it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely uh, something there. Yeah. And Okay, so I'm going to jump in on this Colleen Fight Club scenario. So, uh-huh. like, the last episode, we kind of hypothesized that um, this was probably just around money, but like, we weren't too happy because, obviously, they didn't have the the exposition there in terms of showing why she wanted the cash or why she was going to do it. Yeah. So, straight away now, we're starting to see that She's got a bit of bloodlust, anger issues Absolutely. to work through. So we that we see it with the wooden mannequin or the wooden dummy with two two arms, the wooden arms where she ends up breaking one off. Yes, yeah. Um, during when she's practicing, and then we start seeing that um, she additionally goes in for. Um, like when she goes, oh, I don't, I don't just want him. I want two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. More of a challenge. Yeah. And is this just supposed to set her up? Okay. So she is an amazing fighter or is this actually when she's actually pummeling the guy beneath her fists mm-hmm. and then she wipes the blood on her beautiful white sweatsuit or tracksuit. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, she's got a bit of her own issues to definitely. Do. Yeah. Definitely. So, with I think they're gonna need at some point, maybe hopefully in episode five, hopefully episode six, early on, explain the issue or trauma that she is having or has had that brings out this almost bloodlust. It seems to me that Colleen is very quick to react when someone treats her with with not enough respect for who she is and what she's able to what she's capable of. And it feels like here in these arenas she's able to walk in and definitely show people exactly how good she is at what she does best and what she does best is kick ass uh, i'm expecting that you know we may not see colleen for two or three episodes and suddenly the next time we see her she's back in the arena just going come on anybody else come on and she's knocked out yeah. 10 people on the floor you know she's just building up and up uh, to prove that she is the number one fighter in this fight club now you know absolutely there's certainly some cathartic aspect to this you know the the release of anger i mean the 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 punch down of the guy it went beyond being a fight because he was down and out so yeah it'll be interesting to see how that gets uh that spun out and, and whether you know is she getting less conflicted about doing this fighting for money which she uh, had a go at obviously daryl in the previous episode so that'll all be interested i think and remember this all comes on the back of the fact that daryl videoed her last fight and put it on the internet. So so that whole idea that we saw last episode where she was saying that if you do something like this, it ruins the respect people have for you. Well, it's now up on the internet that she does it too. She fights for money. So, um, so yeah, again, I was kind of surprised that she's going back to the fight clubs knowing that people have been seeing this fight on the internet and seeing um, that she is this amazing fighter. Um, she seemed really taken aback by the fact that somebody would share it and ruin her reputation, possibly. So quite interesting that she's still pursuing it. But yeah, it does seem to be much more of a bloodlust or much more of a the only way I can possibly use the strength I have is by involving myself in these fight clubs. Definitely. And just getting back to those white sweat 
pants as well and the tracksuit. Um, you know, that is looking a lot like her, her comic book outfit. Right. Uh, you know, the Daughters of the Dragon outfit, definitely, uh-huh. yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's certainly, uh, that that seems to be at play here. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah really cool outfit as well. The, uh, the hood, another another hooded hero in the, uh, in the Netflix Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, very cool. Yeah, now we just need to see Misty in her red outfits with knee pads and then we're done. That's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, although she didn't have... So I, I couldn't see, but in her outfit in the comic book, she usually has these kind of two little wings on her back. On the back, yeah. I, I, I couldn't see that. I couldn't see it, whether it's whether it's stitched in the back or whether it's a, a something on the back. I couldn't see it there, yeah. yeah. Definitely need that 4K TV, boys. <laughs> yes, exactly. It is coming. It is coming. Excellent, excellent. But I suppose this kind of brings us on to speaking of fight clubs and fighting and the hatchet hallway scene. Yes. And uh, more importantly, Danny's reprisal from it uh, or because of it. Uh, we finally got our hallway scene. Yeah, yeah, four like, episodes in. We did. Yeah. They're well known for their hallway scenes now. But in, this was uh, a hallway and a lift scene. It was. So Daredevil 2 had hallway and a staircase scene Mm -hmm. daredevil one had his hallway scene luke cage had his hallway scene yeah jessica jones everything led from the lift to her door through that hallway Mm -hmm. and now we have uh, the kidnap of joy meacham yeah whilst uh, she is talking with danny about you know his his past their friendship all that kind of thing Mm mm-hmm and we get the ring at the door. And originally I was thinking it's members of the hand because Harold and Ward have been in cahoots with, with Danny Rand mm. and they know about this and that this is some kind of reprisal. Yeah. Um, and obviously uh, at that stage as well, Harold had just been black bagged um, yeah. and, and taken away. So I thought this was all leading to um, that particular story or what we're being led to think that you know they are unhappy with with him yeah. uh communicating and connecting with Danny Rand here in this way. Um but actually we find out it's triads and, and it's because she closed the deal uh on, on the purchase of that uh pier yeah. that they had previously owned uh with with Raj Patel, mm-hmm. the businessman. I really liked the lift scene, I have to say. I loved the fact that it went red I love the the idea later on that they're not axes, they're hatchets. Yeah, yeah. I just really enjoyed that. I loved um, the how he channels his chi into his hand as he's opening up the 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 lift. And I, I was thinking exactly the same thing. They're gonna like start slicing him, but the the axe head just absolutely shatters uh, as it hits his his fist. Yes, yeah, very or good. hatchet head. Even <laughs> I was going. Oh, that's to a, that's you. a new bad guy, hatchet head. <laughs> uh, um, I was gonna correct you on that. Uh, there are uh, there are some great moments in that corridor fight scene. The the obvious one that was used in the trailer, which was the uh, the hatchet swinging past Danny as he as he flips backwards and the and the blade misses him by inches a uh, great moment it really felt very dynamic as he's as he's marching along the hallway with the camera following him it wasn't like in the daredevil one where it was a static camera and daredevil was fighting all the way through the through the hallway this one was a camera following danny through the through the scene there's also some really interesting cuts in the lift remember the whole thing about iron fist is the character was based on martial arts films in the 70s it's a 70s product and i think they took the opportunity within the lift here to do some nice 70s cuts where you had 
uh, you had dual screens of what was happening where Joy was punching out one guy, Danny punching another, and they're kind of side by side on the screen. Uh, interesting choices here for the director. Yeah, I, I loved the little sneaky punch that Joy uh, got <laughs> in there. And then she kind of pulls back, like shaking her hand yeah. because of the pain that's like going up through her wrists and stuff. I, mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice little touch, actually. And uh, I have to say, um, yeah, I, I, I really in, enjoyed this. It's kind of the first big, I feel, action point yeah. that we, we've had. Absolutely. Um, and Marvel does always love a lift scene. You do remember, obviously, Captain America, Winter Soldier, yeah, the yeah, fight yeah. scene with Cap and, and the six or seven guys. This one seems much more close quarters because the lift is much smaller and it's only four people in the lift, but it's really well choreographed, I thought. Completely. This for me was um, one of the best or better fight scenes we've seen. Uh, even Colleen and kind of, um, uh, especially with Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this was more just because it showed off, again, that precision yeah. Danny has um, in terms of taking the guys out. Yeah. Now, the phenomenal bit for me was where he just clenches his face as the hatchet comes down and shatters. Mm-hmm. I did straight away think, ooh, shrapnel. But obviously that doesn't <laughs> take into account everything. Um, but that was, it was quite, it was, that was a great element of the scene. When it then becomes the getting from point A to point B, which is the, the doorway to the, to the hall, to the lift mm-hmm. or the elevator, I was really that was great yeah the only bit i was missing was hoping to see danny hold one guy with his leg at his neck the Mm -hmm. guy's neck against one side while simultaneously punching in the other guy that would have been cool actually yeah Yeah, i like that idea i was also thinking oh joy watch out because there were axes flying in that confined space so i was like i mean i i would have just probably hit the floor Exactly what I was going to say, actually, that there is a great moment where Danny blocks a, a, blocks a hatchet from hitting Joy while hitting one of the other guys. That does, It is kind of like what you're describing, Chris. Um, it's something that I, ha- that I did notice in this episode with um, Danny in the lift with the two guys and with, obviously, Colleen in the ring with the, other, with the two guys. Something about the choreography here where they haven't done the traditional one versus one in a three-person battle, if you know what I mean. You do see two guys trying to hit Colleen at one time. You do see the two uh, triad guys trying to hit Danny at the one time. But they're both such great fighters that they're able to take on two people at the same time. Traditionally, it would be one person throws a punch while the other's on the floor. Other person gets up as the first person's being knocked down. You know, and it's always a kind of a one-on-one battle. Yeah, Whereas this seemed like a quite a, a well-telegraphed bit with Colleen in one in uh, one fight against two people and Danny in another fight against two people. Yeah, it's multiple attackers, mm. it seems, a lot of the time. Like, And, of course, it, it's just the the fluidity of... It's a lot more leggy, I suppose. Mm. Like, it's more aerial as well. Like, spinning in the air or, yeah. or, or using the legs and the feet as much as the hands. It's much more than, say, Daredevil would. Yeah. Uh, and, obviously, Luke Cage is purely about the upper body. Yes. Okay, he may kick and so on, but... You know, he uh, slaps people out of the Colleen way. Colleen <laughs> and Danny are using their legs and feet so much more in the fight compared to just their hands, and they're, they're in fact their their punches are much more. They're, they're very precise. Mm. They obviously don't have the same effect as say Luke Cage. Yes, and um, so even though the people go down, they're back up again. So they've got a 
that there's a lot of multiple fighting as well. I, I like that because that's that feels a bit more real to me, yeah. actually, as well. Um, I mean, I think Daredevil has that as well. Daredevil definitely has a realism, but you yeah. can tell it's a different fight choreographer for definitely. this show than have been on the other shows. I think Philip Silveri was the one that did the uh, fight choreography for season one and season two of Daredevil. And he was perfect for that show. But I like when you see fight sequences with Danny Rand because they feel different, and they should. He's a different type of fighter, as we've as we've discussed before. He is more controlled and measured, but much more powerful in some in some ways because he is super powered. Yeah, and that's not taken away from Luke Cage either. It's just simply that because he's solid, mm-hmm. effectively, he's unbreakable. When when the fist hits the face, it is like concrete or steel. Yeah. So they're gonna go just buckle. Whereas this is. There's a grace to it as well, mm-hmm. I would think, um, in some way. But I, I love the use of the feet. It's like kind of like the the lift tap uh, in the first episode. Yeah. There's kind of multiple things going on between his legs and his arms and hands, mm-hmm. and that makes for a really kind of yeah. It's kind of like spider legs. There's suddenly four <laughs> four limbs are, are kind of going off, punching, kicking, spinning, and so uh-huh. on, and not just. The two. Yeah. Yeah, it's Spider Danny. Spider Danny. <laughs> That's it. Every time he does those certain things, I'm like, yeah, he's they're, they're trying to make him very, very, very agile in this. Yeah. Um, so that he can kind of take on some of those elements. I, I love then how this moves and builds into him going to the golden uh, sand, the base for this triad mm. uh, group, this restaurant. Uh, and as soon as he mentions the hand, of which he speaks it in 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 Chinese, uh, in Mandarin, then they back away and yeah, we're gonna leave Joy alone from yeah. now on. Yeah. But this comes to the reprisal from the hand, not so much the hand, but because Harold wants uh, revenge for the person on the person who had injured his daughter. Mm-hmm. So I I thought this was really, I just thought it was really good and brutal that you know. Who did it? Steps up, sword in the head. Yeah, uh, blood. Like it's the bloodiest bit. It's it's, but it's so kind of damn efficient. <laughs> like yep. there's no there's no long battle. He goes to take a swipe at, at that at what you think is just a regular ninja. Sword comes out and it's sword straight in the forehead and top of the head, and it is actually Harold Meacham. And I I love when you, he gets back into the car and just rips off his off the 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 mask and the hood uh it's just i i just thought he his face his expressions were really good it's kind of like job done he's breathing heavily but he's <laughs> kind of got that pride of having taken vengeance mm-hmm. and this is again another reason why you know he's dressing in in the hands uniform yeah 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 so he's it, a good and loyal servant definitely. he is so yeah, that, really interesting that is a great scene and again just to speak to the point that we talked about earlier on with miguel sapuchnik who directed the episode and directed previous episodes of game of thrones it is that kind of brutality that you would expect in medieval times that's how this guy's killed i was almost expecting you know at the head to be chopped off or something like that which is something you see in samurai films quite a lot uh, people are losing their heads because they've disrespected a master or disrespected somebody. Uh, that's what I was expected to happen. But having a blade go and pierce the top of his Ka-chunk. top of his head and him drop to the floor is much more brutal. It is something that that you would you would expect the Westerners to do 
which is why you realize it's Harold after the fact. Yeah. Um, thought, thought that was a really good touch. And, and again, I, I, I probably credit the director of the episode for that. It's a really good choice. I know. And for me, the, the, this reprisal part was um, it, it showed two pieces. The first where Danny went, I, I saw this as, again, the naive Danny mm-hmm. almost just openly asking about the peer and why and having no sense of safety or reason yeah um which was good it it plays to the character and then mentioning the hand and seeing everyone back off was great Mm -hmm. then the way he phrased it when he was back with joy and colleen which was we came to an understanding or kind of i was like no you didn't (laughs) you you mentioned one word and they got scared yes yes um I, de- I definitely would have loved some extras in that restaurant, though, uh, when he walks in first and, and asks for the triads. And then it's the serving person, the cook and the um, and the person who's behind the counter all just kind of go whoop and run. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, was, I, I would have loved if there was loads of people at, at each of the tables who all got up and walked out at the same time as well. You know, uh, you've done a bad yeah. thing here. You should not mention the triad in this in this restaurant. This is their base of operations, you know. I love the way he mentions the hand to them and they all just turn on their heel and walk away and that's that's it. Oops, sorry, you didn't realize that you were you were involved with a hand and they're gone. You know? Absolutely. And I think maybe this leads us on to our fifth and final point where uh, maybe the Golden Sands and in particular the head of that triad group, uh, Yang He King, um, will they get the last laugh? Mm-hmm. Because they provide a nice little uh, focus for for Danny here as he's getting used to, I suppose, meditating and practicing uh, in his new apartment. Uh, and there is a little present left for him at the door, um, a little Chinese basket with a little uh, note from Yang He King that says this is the answer for what you seek and mm-hmm. we see then for the first time the this logo in, in iron fist we all remember it from season one of daredevil on the side of the drug uh uh shipments that's right um but we see here the 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 symbol of the steel serpent uh, and i presume we it means davos and of course we get the the yin and yang because we also then see the iron fist logo on danny's chest for the first time that's right the, yeah. the dragon symbol yeah i i love this because uh, any good secret society knows you need to brand Absolutely. brand it's all Absolutely. about marketing it's all about brand go ask hydra if you're going to be a secret <laughs> Illuminati, no one knows about you. You need to brand everything. Absolutely. <laughs> you have to find out how it's all connected, you know? And also, hold on. Sorry, just on this, before we get fully into the, the Steel Serpent logo. Mm-hmm. Um, for a secret society that no one's supposed to know about, everyone knows about the hand. Everyone. Yes, they do. <laughs> it's just like... The hand okay. is, the hand's influence stretches far and wide, yes. Um, but, but I presume... I presume that they're not secret. I presume it's more you don't want to piss them off, so you just don't okay. mention them. It's not that they're not. The, it's not that nobody knows about them. It's that everybody knows. Just don't mention them. You know, it's like uh, it's like the roughest gang in the world. So kind of like he should not be named. Kind of like he he should yeah. not be named. Yeah, everybody's aware of who they are, but you just don't want to piss them off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, first of all, I loved the the reveal of. The, of Danny's kind of dragon tattoo. That mm. was great because 
I thought they were going to do it while he was doing the, the, the kind of he'd running through his morning routine. Yeah. He just kind of swing to an almost like lotus position in like yoga and just kind of have like his like just like um and then you just see the tattoo and it would the one thing i'm questioning does the tattoo glow yellow similar to uh, the, i don't think so no okay but with the still serpent logo i'm just great they're tying this is the one thing that we've talked we talk about time and time and time again mm-hmm. is the the universe building and the connection and we've been waiting what four seasons mm-hmm. of shows just to get to this point so i am pretty sure they'll now they'll bring in uh, Davos, and he will be the big bad preempting Madame Gao, or Madame Gao will be the big bad for defenders. So she's always there. She's going to be the big big bad as one of the hand. I don't agree, Chris. I don't no? agree. I think this is his step to connecting everything to Gao because Gao is known already in uh, in Daredevil as being the leader of the group that's been supplying these drugs. In fact. If I remember correctly, this is pretty much the same way that Matt Murdock found Madame Gao in season one. He was led there by the Steel Serpent symbol and eventually found Gao and found her out. So I think this is the path for Danny is to find a Gao and then finding the connection with Meacham. There might be Davos, but he, he's probably going to be the person behind Gao because we already know as an audience who Gao is. So I'm thinking True, that Davos actually, might yeah. be the person behind her. The yeah. next, well, that, next that's, that's how I was kind of uh, reasoning it, was mm. that because ultimately Davos has the same abilities as as Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's expert in martial art. He has drained Shaolau uh, the Undying or of, or of that power as well. So he is a match for Iron Fist. Mm. And, and you know, in and a, we haven't seen him yet, so it would be it would be kind of odd if the path that Danny goes down to to find after he gets the Steel Serpent leads him to someone that we've never met before on on the show. So um, I have a feeling that it, that Gao will be a stepping stone to this new character in the in the universe. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely think so. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, that's actually an interesting way uh, way of putting it. It's kind of changing it from where Stavos would report into Mother Crane and mm. or Madame Gao. Um, they're flipping it now because we've seen Madame Gao so long that Davos is probably higher up than her. Mm. She reports into him, which would be, it, okay, that's a different take. And I suppose for people who are not, for people who are into the comic books as much as, say, John, it's a fresh take on it. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a, oh, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Almost or kind or of again, you know, maybe simply, Gao just puts sets Davos on him when he gets too close. Of course, that is that is yeah. the other option. Yeah. yeah. Well, the only thing is, and I I want to put this down. What if Madame Gao is not Mother Crane? Mm. Yeah, she might what not if... be at this stage, given that yeah. she's she would appear to be fairly high up in the hand organization rather than. So I mean, maybe that theory we may have won one, we may have lost another. Mm-hmm. She may be a variation, or or there's multiple Mother Cranes and kind of like leader of the Steel Serpents, etc., etc., etc. But the Steel Serpents is also the Hand, and she is just one of many elderly lady with supernatural fighting <laughs> abilities that uh, shadow that sits shadowy in the dark. Maybe. <laughs> I think she is always going to be one of the big, 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 big bad. Right. And then 
like one of the she controls the hand where she's up in the the board of directors on the hand <laughs> beside davos right. and some of the others in the volcano yes yeah, it's, it's a skull-shaped volcano on an island just in the middle of the sea and you know how what's infesting those waters sharks no, oh, oh, sharks with lasers. Yeah, yeah, sharks exactly. With, I, I, iron fin sharks. I they love all it. have the power of steel. Yeah. We've said it before. This is definitely the episode of theories. I think the other interesting thing is, you know, Davos is a bit like the Baron Mordo of this world. Okay. Um, as well, in the sense that, um, you know, he is a native of Conlon as well. So it'll be interesting to see you know is he an out and out bad guy right uh, in the same the way that we saw from the doctor strange movie that mordo isn't necessarily always evil right right yeah you know uh, so it'd be interesting to see where his intentions lie and how he connects in with the hand i'm sure he is going to be evil um and despicable but look here is there's the potential maybe to see how they sort of really broaden out that character as well so i'm really excited to see and it's great to see the steel serpent symbol definitely and again we don't watch ahead there is no confirmation that davos is even in the series of iron fist we're just all speculating here these are all our theories about what could be happening coming up on the show uh but that's the top five points uh for the episode notes gentlemen uh we've got the obvious daredevil name check yes in the episode yeah (laughs) <laughs> that was uh, that was Meacham saying to Danny, why are you climbing around the building like that daredevil, yeah? Yeah. Exactly. So my next point is, or my next note, I should say, is Danny refers when he's speaking to Joy about August personage in Jade. Mm. Now, the only thing I could think of this of who he was talking about, now this is where John needs to come in, is UT, the ruler of Kung Lo. The guy who was always interesting green robes or jade green robes. Interesting. Yep, I, that is what I would have been thinking when I heard that. Is that you're looking at, um, you know, the the ruler of Conlon here and the person who ultimately, uh, ad, you know, adopts Danny into right. Conlon and sets him on the path to becoming a warrior monk. Very cool. I think this is uh, a high probability that it is UT, UTI. Um, I'm trying to remember which way we should <laughs> say we, it. We now. went for UT in the end. Yeah, UT. Confirmed yeah. by Ronaldo, one of our listeners. Yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, we will see Kunlun and all of these characters that Danny's referencing at some point in the show. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so. <laughs> Flashback episode. Yeah. Given that the screeners that we got from Netflix stopped at episode six, and normally they would stop at episode seven, I think episode seven might go bananas i i think there might be that might be the flash which would be cool yeah that's really cool yeah i'm I'm, I'm kind of i'm kind of enjoying these little uh, allusions that danny's making to the people that he's met and the characters that uh, are from comic books but we do want to see them eventually like yeah yeah i i I think we're getting a flashback episode i know we said oh it may be good that he just consistently has minor flashbacks Mm -hmm. yeah he hasn't had a flashback in a while now um so i'm like okay they they just they use that as exposition in the beginning to expand the story um, just mm-hmm. so that you can see it from his perspective. He hasn't had a PTSD a moment in a while. So I'm like, he's going to have a massive breakdown. And that's when we get the flashbacks. Maybe that steel serpent, serpent symbol in his hand is what triggers that flashback at the start of the next episode. We never know. Yeah, that would be interesting. But, 
Yeah. He should know what that symbol means. We only got a flash in in, uh, in this episode. Yeah. One that I picked up was the uh, little reference to our favourite little reporter from uh, from Daredevil, Karen Page, um, who is still working at the New York Bulletin, according to this episode. Um, the reporter who does the interview award uh, calls up Ellison, who's the head editor uh, for for the New York Bulletin, who we saw a lot of in season two of Daredevil, and tells her, hold the front page don't let Karen take it. I've got a great story for you. Like that. Nice little references to, to Daredevil. But I did notice the big gaping hole in that, that uh, Ward is looking at the newspaper the following morning and flicks through about seven or eight pages through the uh, through the newspaper and finds the article on the front page of the business section, Yeah, which Karen probably wouldn't be working on, I don't think. I wouldn't have thought so. But it may be that, no, she wanted it in the, the front page and no Karen thing was more important. It does Maybe. make me wonder, what is Karen writing? So, timeline-wise, where are we? Where are we? Yeah, yeah. That is very difficult to tell with this show. Yeah, I'm thinking now this is during season two of Daredevil or yeah, I very think so close towards the end of that period. Because mm-hmm. that's when Karen was getting the front page elements because of the Punisher and the old DD. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because if you think about it, think if you think about those timelines together, that means that the Hand are currently fighting against Daredevil and Elektra on one side, and this new threat has just arrived in the city in the Absolutely. form of Danny Rand. Yeah. So it could easily be that they they are leaving some alleyways all beaten and broken and bruised from. Uh, from Matt Murdock and Elektra attacking them and then walk into the Iron Fist who is about to beat them up again. So I'm kind of starting to feel a little bit sorry for the poor hand. There's <laughs> a lot of enemies out here, you know? Yeah, they know how to make uh, enemies. Yes, I mean, I think uh, for me, one of my notes is certainly, um, again, I love Gao's silhouette. Yeah. You never see her face in this, but you begin to see her outline and, and shape from when she comes into uh, the penthouse, but when she's in the doorway as as uh, Harold is, is looking at his daughter yeah. from uh, across the street. Um, in all these cases, like I mean, in effect, they don't need to do that because as an audience, we know that it's Madame Gao. But I think it really helps with respect to the character of Harold Meacham that he's still doesn't really know what she looks like yeah yeah, yeah. she is very much in the shadows um and i really enjoyed that i think uh like gao to me is iconic from from these uh series both the daredevil and that i really really enjoy just her presence that she brings she's small and outwardly frail looking but she is badass Mm mm-hmm it's like a great character. And definitely the same actress uh, that we saw in the Daredevil shows this time because we do see her face, even though it's in silhouette. Yes. And shadow, we, we see her face as the audience. So yeah, definitely the same actress this time. Uh, she wasn't on holiday still. <laughs> I still think that was the ultimate reason. It's just if you're going to basically, why hide her from the beginning? So there's a lot about this show so far, and I'm going kind of out of our nose very quick for 30 seconds. There's a lot about this that just doesn't fully add up yet, which I enjoy. Yeah. It's like, why yeah. are they keeping Gao in the dark? Why why are the Han keeping Harold like that? Why did Danny leave Kunlung after mm-hmm. kind of like... They're building a lot of questions. And if we get to episode eight or nine and they're still building questions, I'll be slightly... Um, 
miffed perhaps but yeah, i think probably yeah. more that what's going to happen is we'll get a lot of answers but a lot more questions that then will be answered in defenders because right. they need yeah. to build a bit more suspense about how this whole universe is finally going to come together like the other thing we haven't seen we have yet to see rosario dawson this that's true we've that's yet true. to see the one connecting thread the stanley of the marvel cinematic uh, the the netflix marvel <laughs> cinematic universe now remember she was quite late into jessica jones she came in right towards the end of jessica jones so it's possible that she's she's not involved in iron fist just yet she hasn't had to go to the hospital just yet to uh, to get taken care of for for a wound exactly and um, but yeah, I know I know what you mean. I'm definitely enjoying the questions at the moment. I'm enjoying the build up of Danny. By the end of the season we should know him just as well as all of the other defenders going into uh, going into that show. So I love these kind of questioning what's going on, why is he like the way he is, what is his past like, why is he in New York? Uh, and I'm hoping that we will get some big answers coming up, but I'm happy enough to let them sit at the moment. I was I was joking about uh, about needing to see everything in Cunlan now. I'm just excited to see it more than needing to see it now. So hopefully we'll get a good episode coming up in future. Yeah, so Chris, do you have um, the thoughts for the eight diagram dragon palm? So this is one that seems a bit <laughs> slightly easier to look up. There seems to be there. The eight diagram palm is a move in Kung Fu. If you Google a diagram dragon palm. There is an old man on YouTube doing some very slow um, kind of uh, Shaolin style Kung Fu, um, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. I'm pretty sure it's the open kind of two finger, your baby finger and your kind of uh, one of the the left or the right index um, being down. Uh, while the other two, your in, main index finger and the left fing, main finger are up and your thumb is slightly bent, which he does when he is uh, in the hallway with the very much come at me, bro, look at um, the <laughs> guy. Um, I, I do think Danny does great come at me, bros. It's yes, rather, rather than just the usual come at me with the kind of the kind of like the come look at me or come at me um, kind of fingers kind of closing in on itself this seems mm-hmm. to be a bit more kung fu come at me bro yeah well doesn't he say when he's in the center of a fight that's when he's he's his best yes is right in the center of a fight so that's, that's when what... he finds his calm and he can channel his his thoughts and energy yeah yeah it's one of those things that i another thing that i noticed within this episode and, and a little bit in the last i do like the way they show him channeling his channeling his chi uh, in these episodes it's such an important thing for the character of iron fist i like that he has to take a few you know milliseconds or a few seconds to stop breathe channel and then he gets the iron fist it's not something that's instantly there like luke cage's power like daredevil's power like jessica jones's power it's something that he has to pause take a second and then he can go and fight he can't rush in immediately i like i like the way they've done that but it's in that second that he is most vulnerable yes Cool. So with that, um, I think it's on to our final part. Derek, do you defend this episode of Iron Fist? I highly defend this episode of Iron Fist. This was a great episode. And and they're getting better and better each episode, I think. Um, Jerry Hogarth's arrival was fantastic in this episode. The conversation with Danny bringing him back on board within Rand Enterprises and him accomplishing his goal effectively 
really enjoyed those scenes. Uh, yeah, so much going on in here. A really, really good episode. Can't wait to get to episode five. So I'm going to rush this. <laughs> Chris, do you defend this episode of Iron Fist? I do defend this episode. I'm pretty much on similar points to you. The series as a whole is on the up. Mm -hmm. Each episode gets better and better each time. So I'm interested to see what the questions, what more questions they will bring. But additionally, what questions they will answer in the kind of forecoming episodes. Mm -hmm. The thread of the Steel Serpent logo bringing that in. The actual, the how deep Harold is part of the hand and his his own onus towards them and how his his debt owed would be interesting uh, yeah danny getting back into the office and then more importantly that that hallway scene for me was okay they're planting the flag of how he will do this and how he will look um, and how he will fight so it was fantastic overall fantastic episode um I'm just, as you said, I, I, I want to finish this up quickly so we can go watch the next episode. <laughs> John, do you, as the last defender, defend this episode of Iron Fist? I do defend this episode of, of Iron Fist. I, I really enjoyed uh, this this episode. That is why I would give this four and a half steel serpents out of five. Mm -hmm. I was going to say nipples, but then I thought four and a half nipples would have just been Pain. weird. Um, very so, painful. very painful, very evil. Yeah, absolutely. And presumably would have been edited out. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I am loving the intrigue of Harold and his relationship with the, the hand. And mm -hmm. I, I actually really enjoyed seeing his kind of slightly psycho side with the sword in the head. This is really the first bit of brutalism or violence of a bloody nature that we've seen, you know, more akin to what we would see in Daredevil to some extent. Yeah. And so it, it, it really, I think, pairs nicely then with the, the fluid, graceful fighting of, of Danny in the corridor. I really loved him fighting in the lift and, and also defending Joy mm -hmm. uh, in, in that kind of red emergency type lighting um, I thought was really good. I mean, when the hatchet flies past his face and he follows it, really very, very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought Ward and his just response to Danny coming into the fold and there's still that hint of him trying to undermine him with the whole newspaper interview that he does uh, in the evening. Uh, to see how that plays out. We have Colleen Wing becoming more conflicted or aggressive uh, and, and starting to you know, become uh, the daughter of the dragon, with, mm -hmm. certainly with her outfit. And then, you know, just left with the, the steel serpent symbol in the little Chinese bowl provided by the Golden Sands again. Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to the next episode. I'm hoping it's going to be a heavy gow episode actually i really want to see that and maybe i don't know we get to see a bit more of the steel serpent so like to me this is just absolute has built actually really nicely from the second episode to mm -hmm. this point i just can't wait now for the next episode i really enjoyed it i have to say and just having jerry back as well for j, j money back for for a bit <laughs> is always great to have so absolutely, absolutely defend this episode of, of iron fist excellent I think with that, we can move on to some feedback. So our first piece of feedback is a piece of audio feedback that came in from Claire Payne. And you can 
also do that by just going over to our website at defenderstvpodcast.com and uh, clicking the button to send voicemail to us. That voicemail will hopefully be picked up and shared on the episode. So clear a sentence of feedback about episode four, the episode we've just recorded. Hi guys, I really enjoyed episode four of Iron Fist. I think they should have renamed the episode The Corridor of Flying Hatchets. Um, That fight scene and also in the lift was absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed that. Um, One scene I do want to talk about, it's just a, a very small scene which actually did make me laugh um it was when danny entered the boardroom to join in the meeting and he pulled the chair so that he could sit next to joy and i just like the way he just kept kept saying i want to sit next to joy and he just made everybody move up and all the suits that were sat around him just looked totally disgruntled of what he was doing and also grasping what the rand company was actually about now and how they actually um, can make money from selling drugs and pharmaceuticals. So, yeah, definite highlight for me in the episode. Overall, as I said, a fantastic episode for number four. Um, Colleen, um, she is a hero of mine. I just think her fighting scenes are absolutely superb and, uh, and can't wait to see how the rest of the season pans out. Thanks for all the great podcasts. Look forward to hearing to the rest of them. Bye-bye for now. Thanks so much, Claire. Cheers, Claire. Yeah, thanks so much, Claire. I like the name of the episode. Oh, God, yeah, that would have been amazing. Yeah. Or even you could have called it a house of... No, so you call it, couldn't call it a house because the hallway by itself is not a house. No. House of flying daggers. I mean, hatchets. <laughs> I, I'm going to kind of jump in on her point regarding um, the table. And, I, yeah, I love that scene as well. Where Danny is just like, hey, I want to sit beside my best friend. Scooch, scooch, scooch. <laughs> so it was just literally, it was just like, oh, poor Danny. <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean, yeah, Colleen's fighting is is just really cool as well. Oh. I mean, she is kick-ass, absolutely. Um, She's absolutely, my spirit animal. Yeah. yeah, loving Jessica Henwick as, uh, as Colleen Wing. Uh, I just think she brings such a good vibe to this character really very cool mm-hmm. the the boardroom scene very very uh cute definitely <laughs> old so uh you know puppy dog danny he certainly got the eyes water in there <laughs> uh, jeff childs also sent in some feedback to us over on facebook he says did anyone else yell when colleen broke the dude's arm uh, yes, this gets me in every TV show if someone's arm is snapped. Uh, I remember seeing a um, a clip of a reality TV show where two guys were arm wrestling on the show. And during the arm wrestle, one of the guys broke his arm on TV. So real life <laughs> TV show. And I remember getting tears in my eyes at the thought of your arm breaking while doing an arm wrestle. Uh, and ever since then, every TV show that, that uses someone getting their arm broken uh, does the same to me. So, yeah, totally grimaced. Completely on the same. Um, I, yeah, I, I have a, an audible. Oh, <laughs> but it, that's more typically for when someone gets um, kicked in the family jewels. Um, that's usually <laughs> where the majority of the time I'm like, oh, and they slowly cross my legs. But even for the, this move, I, I would... Uh, Colleen has a way of um, instigating uh, guttural hurts out of me in a voice um, every time she cracks something and they also the audio actually there's one thing we don't talk about often the audio 
sound the sound quality in uh, majority of these shows and especially Iron Fist as well is fantastic when Daredevil or Colleen or Iron Fist break someone's arm or shatter someone's clavicle <laughs> whichever you want to see that you always hear that kind of mm-hmm. and I think that's always a great way of kind of making everyone go oh oh yeah, yeah sorry yeah. Yeah, we've not seen them uh, knee someone in the twig and berries just yet. Not for not yet. No, no. I wonder, <laughs> what, the, I wonder what the Foley guy would do for that noise. Anyway, absolutely. We may have to find out. John, do you want to give us some next piece of feedback? Yeah, uh, Ronaldo on uh, our Facebook group as well came back with the press conference scene. Had a few cool and interesting bits. I loved how Danny went up to the lectern, saw Hogarth, and enthusiastically waved to her char grin. Uh, a nice touch showing Danny's naivety. Also, as they wrap up the conference, some journalists touch upon Danny's penchant for for outbursts. This ties in with um, what the podcast mentioned um, in episode one, how Danny's personality in the comics is prone to fly off the handle at times. Yeah, yeah. That was you, uh, it? it certainly was. Yeah, um, he he does have that yin and yang element to his personality for for sure. That fish out of water kind of feel to Danny in in this this episode and in this scene in particular is really uh, well done. I think by Finn Jones. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Just that wave to uh, to Jaren is just hilarious. Hogarth's reaction to it is great. She has those, uh, great reactions to them as well. So just some general feedback about episode three. Uh, Michael Booth says, I feel like we are finally at the kicking off point intended. First two were slow, scene setting, but now we're getting somewhere. Definitely. I think uh, this is all building totally in episode three. Uh, you know, this really has um, started to to really meet up i th- i think yeah. um sylvie uh again on our facebook group loved it uh, did you guys notice uh, how the colors green and gold are becoming more and more present funny that it is hogarth who gave him money to buy his classic dark green shirt i was so glad to see her back absolutely sylvie and, and rebecca concurs as well i loved that he brought a green t-shirt with the money uh yeah that is getting into classic comic book territory <laughs> so this, here yeah, other than his costume right? yeah absolutely well his the modern version uh that doesn't involve picinos collars <laughs> and a ned flanders suit absolutely. where it's like he's wearing nothing at all <laughs> nothing, at, nothing all. at all nothing at all chris yeah um so uh Kind of to round out our general feedback, uh, Jeff Childs went on to say uh, in our Facebook group as well, I like that Danny has figured out that he needs to give evidence of who he is when he meets Hogarth. Um, yeah, and I think well, we kind of covered it in this episode as well. The kind of That scene was fantastic in terms of slowly reminding Jerry that of only things he could have known mm-hmm. where even Jerry calls him on it but yeah. some of the stuff that anyone could have known that well actually only I know this yeah I love that she just keeps pushing him for more and more information and then she's convinced and then she moves on just like yeah. Jerry should very good yeah exactly uh, speaking of Jaren Hogarth we also got some feedback on her first appearance in uh, in episode three. Ronaldo said, it was really nice to see Hogarth in this. Carry on Moss's subtlety in maintaining Hogarth's icy exterior, but showing glimpses of warmth towards Danny and his family made me like Hogarth even more. Hope she maintains a role in Danny's life. Seeing Hogarth tackle the Meachams in their office made me metaphorically fist punching, no pun intended, the air. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of nice feedback about uh, about Jaron Hogarth. Completely, and I think we can't gush enough about Carrie Ann Moss's uh, portrayal of this character Absolutely. and her 
redemption question mark mm-hmm. we'll have to wait and see how far she goes with this redemption will we see the old jerry or will um the new jerry that we all love and has us metaphorically fist punching uh the air uh will she stay uh-huh. Um, and then just actually speaking of Jerry, we've also got another piece of feedback about Jerry. And uh, John Tara Higley uh, went on to say, she's such a badass. More Jerry Hogarth in everything, please. Um, I can't agree more. I, I, want, I can't wait to see her in the Defenders. Yeah, same here. I think uh, she... She was really good um, in, in this episode. Yeah, I think we mentioned just how, you know, that there is that continuing redemption of, of Jerry Hogarth, uh, but also that you see the glimpses of her, you know, her, her coolness in terms of iciness and uh, just she's fairly focused on getting one up on the Meachams and uh, I I enjoyed that too mm-hmm. um, certainly I think Rebecca over on uh, the Facebook group also said she's a beast <laughs> indeed um, you do not mess with her mm. some, some ultimate opinions as well Doug Green says I disagree I felt like she was a total 180 from the last time we saw her, saw her. Uh, Lisa Richardson says remember that the Hogarth from Jessica Jones has been completely humbled um, I don't know your thoughts on this I think I think Jerry is the same character from Jessica Jones, but the idea of, you know, this 10-year-old kid coming up to her and reminding her of what she was like at the start of her career has probably softened her a bit to him. Like, remember, I suppose in my head, I kind of think we are how other people perceive us sometimes. In Jessica Jones, she's a hard-ass. She's a real icy, evil woman because of the way we see her and because of the people she's surrounded with, including the people that are close to her in her life and how she treats them. In this, it's all just about... Jaron Hogarth and her relationship with Danny in these episodes. She doesn't really have a relationship with anybody else. And Danny loves her. So that kind of softens her character a bit, right? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, given how obnoxious Jerry was in Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. then, I mean, you can understand that you're trying to reconcile that with with her being a human being, in, in all honesty. And yeah. I, I think... Yeah, I mean, you know, she is being transported back to when she first started out. She was probably a different person though um, at that time, yeah. and and I, I think as well, even in Jessica Jones, you know, we were kind of asking that question: Is she going to be able to come back from just how evil and, and selfish she was portrayed in that? And given that, you know, she she shares this name of Jerry Hogarth, Jerry Hogarth with Danny Rand's CEO from the comics uh, of Rand Enterprises. So, you know, we always knew that she was going to pop up again and you were kind of thinking, well, is this how she's being set for for these series? And I think even in Jessica Jones, they they did start to thaw her out, basically. Yeah, Uh, a bit, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But she did have to go through the uh, the full gauntlet of that. Absolutely, and Uh, I think I would definitely agree with Lisa, you know, that... It was a humbling of it. Like she had to kind of get a grip that she was being a total ass. You know? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Thanks everyone for that feedback from our Facebook group. Really good to hear from you as always. Thank you everyone for the the feedback. That's really good stuff. Uh, keep the discussions coming in. Keep the comments coming in on Iron Fist as a whole and for each episode. You can contact us through the the website voicemail through the email. Uh, just go to 
defenderstvpodcast.com to leave a voicemail or email us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. Uh, join our Facebook group to get involved in the discussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the group, just go to um, Defenders TV Podcast, search that in Facebook. You can also like our page. Uh, and of course, importantly, please subscribe. And if you're feeling uh, generous, please leave a review as well. Um, over on iTunes at DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes or indeed any other good podcast catcher. Absolutely. I've been loving these discussions as the uh, as the episodes have been going on. I'm really looking forward to the next episode. Yeah. yeah, cannot wait. We will be back on Tuesday the 28th of March with our review of the fifth episode of, of I'm Fist Underleaf Pluck Lotus. Gardening episode, it sounds like. It does sound like a gardening episode. <laughs> so the man with the iron fist gets two green thumbs. I like it. I like it. I have two green thumbs up, though. I oh, like yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday. See you in the chats, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll uh, speak with you next time. Bye. Um, then one of the ones now this is where Paddy's Day (laughs) another drunken Irishman arrested yep it's gone yep